Morning. So last week's pastor, Adam, did a good job introducing the book of James and how it relates to us uh, that as we are refugees. What that means is this isn't my home. You know what it, what it means to be a refugee? It means you're displaced. We are displaced. We've got a home, but it's not here. Don't fall in love with this world. It doesn't really satisfy. So we're talking about us Christians who are not home. We're refugees. We're wandering through this, uh, let's call it the Jesus road. And we don't know how to survive. I mean, we know how to do it like the rest of the world. But God's got a better plan than the rest of the world is embracing. So we don't want to be there. We want to be where God wants us to be. We're refugees. We're on the Jesus road. And God wants us to know how to survive on the Jesus road down here as refugees. As refugees. So uh, the last half of James chapter 1 through the first half of James chapter 3, James gives advice, practical advice to the refugees out there, the Jews, that, the Christians that were scattered, that were under persecution, they had to flee their, their home and run in the wilderness, kind of like where we are, refugees in the wilderness. So we have to know how to survive. We have to know how to behave, how to react in this world if we're going to be successful and we're going to thrive in it. So I want to talk about seven principles that he gives us in that span of chapters 1, 2, and 3 of the book of James. Practical things. We have to, we have to know how to read the signs. You know, there's, uh, as you came to church this morning, you passed multiple road signs. You know what those signs mean. Well, if you don't want to get stopped, you follow the rules. Right? You follow the rules. If it says stop, you stop. You expect everybody else to stop. There's just rules that we have to follow. I spent 18 months when I was serving Uncle Sam in the military during the Cold War in Germany. And in Germany, there's signs that you have to follow. And I didn't have a clue what those signs meant. (laughs) So I didn't know if I was obeying those signs or not. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. I I couldn't read the signs. And if we're a non-Christian and God is giving us signs, we can't read the signs. We don't know what the sign means. You just don't know. So we need to be able to recognize the signs that God gives us. So I want to give us some road signs, some, some road rules, rules for the road as a refugee wandering through this wilderness. So I've got uh, seven of these. Here, here's the first one. You've got to move fairly quick. The first one is found in James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. He says, My dear friends, you should be quick to listen and slow to speak or to get angry. If you are angry, you cannot do any of the good things God wants done. Watch your anger. Here's the rule. Keep your cool. Keep your cool. There's so many things that you can get angry about. So many things that should fill us with rage if we understand how God wants things done. But it doesn't solve anything to get angry. 
Anger alienates us from the solution we're trying to find. Dwight Eisenhower was president of the United States before many of us here were born. He was the uh, Allied commander in World War II in the European theater. He, he, to be a leader like that, you can't let your emotions get control of you. You got to have, have your head in gear. So Dwight Eisenhower had to deal with some big things as president in a global scenario. And there were things that made him angry. However, he never showed his anger. But those closest to him could tell because his face would get flushed when he was angry. I mean, he had this calm expression on his face, but you could tell red. Back of his neck would get beat red. But he never showed his anger. Kept his cool. I advise you, brothers and sisters, in this Jesus road, keep your cool. Learn how to wear a poker face. You know what that is? You got a great hand, but you don't show anybody else you got the good hand. Here's a true story. Cleaning lady at the White House used to go into the Oval Office after the president would have these meetings, and she'd have to clean up. And she would tell the story that whenever the president had a tense meeting... She'd have to clean up this ball of threads under his desk because he would literally rip his handkerchief to shreds. He would just shred it. So there's nothing left but pile of threads on the floor. He kept his cool. While on the inside, he's full of rage. You and I need to let our light shine. Yes. And your anger just alienates you from people. That's right. I have some. I have some great Facebook friends that don't know how to keep their cool. They put these hate-filled things up there thinking it's going to, everybody's going to agree with them. They don't change anything. Their hate-filled posts don't change a thing. Keep it cool. Let your light shine. Here's the second rule for the road if you want to make it as a refugee. Rule number two, your faith and actions work together. Your faith and your actions work together. In uh, James chapter 1, verse 22, he says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. When I was a a student at Christian Training Center, one of the things we had to do was we had to go to the Fort Wayne Rescue Mission and preach to these people. See, they'd give them a free meal, but you couldn't get the free meal unless you sat through the church service first. They kind of bribed them. If you're going to get a free meal, you have to do something. Come in and listen. And I remember there was this one guy that that, uh, we jokingly called Chapter and Verse Charlie. Because he had the Bible memorized. When it, while, we were, while we were sharing the word with the people, this guy would just speak out loud and quote a verse. Usually somewhat related to what we were talking about. You see, 
He knew the Bible. He knew the Word of God. He could quote it clearly. But here he is waiting for a free meal because he can't get his life together. I think we got several chapter and verse Charlies. They got the Bible down pat. They know what it says, but they can't get their life together. Your faith means nothing if you don't do what it says. You have to practice it. You have to put it into play. There was a, a, a read of a man from, from New York City who had no occupation. He had no occupation because he never had a job. Died at 63 years of age, never having done a job. You see, he had a rich uncle when he was a very young man. This rich uncle remembered him in his will. And he said in his will that that this his nephew was to receive a certain amount of money on a weekly basis so that he could get, get through his education and continue his education. That's how he worded it in his will. So the nephew never finished his education. He spent his whole lifetime as a student. He got one college degree after another one. The money kept coming in because he stayed in school. See, if he'd have quit and got a job, that money would have stopped. But it continued up till age 63 when he died with no education. Here's a guy who had faith, but he didn't know how to put it into play. We've got to take what we believe and practice it in our lives if we want to make it. Here's road rule number three. Do what the book says. Do what the book says. James chapter 1 again, verses 23, 24, and 25 says, Now if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who has looked intently at the perfect law, the law of freedom, and has continued in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an active doer, this person will be blessed in what, he's, in what he does. Blessed in what he does. You are blessed in what you do. If you don't do it, you don't get blessed. You have to, have to do it. So he uses this illustration of a mirror. A man looks in the mirror, sees himself clearly. Oh my goodness, I need to get that stuff between my, my eyebrows out of there. I need to <laughs> get that out of there. I need to go wash my face. I need to do this. I need to do that because I can clearly see what I am. And then he sets the mirror down and promptly forgets what he saw. So he goes on his life just like it was before. You see, we're supposed to look at this perfect law of liberty. It's a picture of Jesus, and we're supposed to compare ourselves to that, and we see where we need to make changes. We see where we need to clean some stuff up, but we never do anything with it. We promptly put the mirror down, put the perfect law of liberty down, forget all about it. So, rule... 
get this back where it's supposed to be, then I can see it. Okay, where am I at? Rule number three, do what the book says. Let's go to rule number four. Let me read the scripture first. This is James chapter 1, verses 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So here's rule number four. I am my brother's keeper. I am my brother's keeper. I need, I need, we are the body of Christ. We are the family of God. We need to look around us. We need to find where are the people that need help. And there's always somebody where I used to be. I figured out how to get from where I used to be to where I am today. I still haven't figured out how to get from here to where I want to be, but I'm looking back, and there's always somebody who used to be there. We all need to be involved in reaching out to those people are where we used to be, because we know how to get free, because we've made it. So help somebody else who hasn't made it yet. Widows and orphans. That's... Those are the extremes. Those are the people who really need help. But there's people around us here today on all kinds of different levels. We are our brother's keeper. We need to watch out for one another, pray for one another, advise, coach, encourage one another. All the one another's in the Bible. Because there's a hurting world around us. And there are people who have been victimized by Satan all around us. What are we going to do with that? We need to do something with it. This is the kind of religion that God smiles over. Yes. Not us sitting back polishing our halo and thinking about how wonderful we are right. now that Jesus has come in our life. Okay. Here's road rule number five. Don't play favorites. James chapter 2 verse 1 says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. The CEV translates it like this, My friends, if you have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, you won't treat some people better than others. And he goes on and he uses uh, the, the example of how somebody dresses. And if a person comes in dressed like this, you bring them up to the front and give them a nice, nice seat in the front. And if somebody comes in dressed like that, you kind of put them in the back. That's favoritism. Another word for that in our culture is prejudice. Because we here in America, we're, we're a hodgepodge. We come from all over the world. We're seeing more and more immigrants coming in as, as uh, each day goes by. We're seeing our the face of America is dramatically changing. And we all kind of think our kind is better than their kind. We all kind of put our, ourselves up on a pedestal thinking that we're something special and everybody else is less special. That's favoritism. I was raised in a home where my mother, bless her heart, was raised by a sharecropper farmer, never owned his own farm. They lived off the land. They had next to nothing. Uh, 
my, my grandpa had 14 kids. Big family. Never had enough money. Always looking for how to make ends meet. And my mother kind of had this feeling, how do, how do I say it? Uh, she used to tell us kids, we don't have what everybody else has. They got lots of money, we don't. And I, it, with that t- teaching, it kind of put me in a depressed place where I felt like I'm never going to have enough. You know, everybody else is better than us. Us kids were raised, at least, I don't know about my, I don't know, Penny, about your generation, but my generation, as the oldest, we always had to wear the hand-me-downs, the garage sale items. And it was important to me to fit in, and I always felt like I didn't have enough. Never going to have enough. When I got out of high school, I had no ambition of being anyone of significance, and my a lot of it I attribute to my mother's negative poverty mentality. She instilled it in me. I grew out of that. I don't have that mentality anymore. You see, there's people with plenty of money who are high achievers that look down on people that don't have what they have. And there are people in a poverty mentality that look up at people who are successful and have, have made something of their life and they think, we're better than they are. You see, both wrong. That's right. Both wrong. We're all equal. No matter what your color of your skin is, no matter how you were raised, we're all equal. We can live in poverty because we choose to or we can work ourselves out of poverty if we want to. We're all in the same place. So don't play favorites in the body of Christ. Help somebody else up. Build somebody else up. Let's go to road rule number six. Demonstrate your faith by your actions. Faith is an internal thing. Nobody knows where the level of faith is that you have. Nobody knows that that's personal. But your actions betray your faith. So be careful what your actions are. What are they saying? Live it out. James chapter 2 verse 18 says, Suppose someone disagrees and says, It is possible to have faith without doing kind deeds. I would answer, Prove that you have faith without doing kind deeds. And I will prove that I have faith by doing them. See, we're talking about proving or showing, demonstrating. We're supposed to be demonstrating what's on the inside of us. As a matter of fact, we are demonstrating what's on the inside of us. So if you got faith, act like you do. Put some actions with it. Faith must be demonstrated for God to get any glory. If God's changed your life, let people see He's changed your life. Otherwise, God can't get the glory. If you want to glorify God for the change He's brought in your life, demonstrate it. You demonstrate it by putting some works with it, some some actions with it. 
Worship team's going to come back up right now, but I'm not finished. I got one more point here while they're coming up. Don't pay attention to them. Pay attention to me. (laughs) Rule number seven. Here's the last one I'm going to share. Control your tongue. Control your tongue. You don't have to say everything you think. James chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Your tongue. You can destroy somebody's self-image with your tongue. Likewise, you can build up someone's self-image with your tongue. The same tongue can do both. As a matter of fact, in verses 10 and 11 of James 3, he says, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? You see, if we're using our tongue to tear someone down and using the same tongue to build someone up, aren't we double-minded? Have we, isn't that a picture of someone who hasn't got their mind, their mind settled? Either, we're, either we build people up or we tear people down. Your heart is full of negatives or your heart is full of positives. We need to make our mind up. We need to make a decision. Where do we stand? Are we on God's side or are we on the world's side? We've got to make that decision. Control your tongue. Your tongue has a world. Some of you in this room, some of you in this room, actually, you had a parent that tore you down, discouraged you. You'll never amount to anything. You're just a failure. And they spoke that lie to you and you believed it and it became a part of who you are today. Don't be someone that does the same thing. These are rules of the road. Practical things. You can't be successful and have God's blessing in your life compromising and acting like the world so you got to make your mind up so I want to before we sing this last song I want to give us an opportunity to make a decision I'm, I'm going to ask here in the house you have to, if you have faith you have to act on it you have to do something with it so I'm going to ask if you've not accepted Christ as your Savior yet, you've been thinking about it, but you've not made a decision to surrender your life to Him, I want you to do that. And the thing I want you to do to demonstrate it is raise your hand. It's okay. Raise your hand right now. I'm I'm making a decision. I'm accepting Christ as my Savior. Anybody here want to do that? I'm looking at you. I want to know. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you.
Thank you. I'm about to I'm about to pray and end this. But if you want to make that step, just raise your hand. Want to know who I'm praying for? Okay. Let's all say this prayer together. And those of you that raised a hand, you mean it. Say it from your heart. God will hear you. Say it, say it with me. Heavenly Father, I believe in you. I believe you sent Jesus to pay the price for my sin. And I confess I'm a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me. And send your Holy Spirit into my heart. And help me to live for you. Help me to look for what the signs of what you're showing me. So I can obey you. Today I'm a believer. I want to do what you say. So lead me as a child of God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you said that prayer and you meant it, something happened in the heavenlies. Your life is going to change from this day forward. You watch. Jesus said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Pray and watch. Watch and see what God does. He's going to open doors. He's going to set things up for you. Great and mighty things are going to begin to happen right now. Your life is different. Trust him. Amen.